0: Hello, hi, and welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show in a slightly different format this time around, because it's just me. But it's me doing a deep dive into something that you, my most excellent listeners, have asked me about a lot lately, and I wanted to give it some attention.
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot.
0: So I have mentioned on Instagram stories, on the podcast and in the Facebook group that I have been volume eating and a lot of you have sent messages asking me to explain why. You've also asked me to tell you what my interpretation of volume eating looks like, how that shows up every day and what benefits are, what benefits I've seen. So I'm going to try and break that down for you in this episode. But let's be very honest about this. I have to take a bit of a run up to this because the truth is I can't talk about any kind of eating habits without referencing my issues with food. I think it would be extremely unhelpful to just talk about volume eating without explaining how I got here. And I have felt addicted to food for the majority of my life, dependent on it, using it for the wrong reasons, sabotaging myself with it, using it for pleasure, using it for comfort and using it sometimes just to feel something or to feel nothing. It's fair to say this relationship has been somewhat complicated. And for a very, very long time, I didn't think there was any hope of finding some sort of equilibrium with food, a kind of relationship where I could still enjoy it without the feelings of worry before eating or the feelings of guilt afterwards. I couldn't imagine a time when I could enjoy a meal without searching for the excitement within the experience or maybe even not excitement, but just the feeling that I needed at that particular moment within the experience instead of just seeing it as something I needed to do as part of my day just to be alive, like sleeping, for example. But if you've been here for a while, you'll know that a few years ago, I got so sick of my own crap, of being consumed by all the complicated thoughts that went hand in hand with my feelings and actions around food, how I felt about my body and my weight, that I prioritised freeing myself from it. I didn't enjoy how it felt to be overweight and to struggle to exercise or move around the world. I didn't enjoy how it looked. I didn't enjoy how hard it was to dress to hide it and I was ashamed of my size because my physical presence in the world was evidence of the thing I desperately wanted to hide from everyone which was that ultimately I couldn't control myself around food and I felt really embarrassed and ashamed about that and look I've blamed everything over the years for why I couldn't lose weight and keep it off that's the main thing because actually when you break it down I've lost weight successfully three or four times £30 plus. I've just put it all back on again. That's a hell of a lot of effort to end up where you started again. But on that journey, I've blamed my hormones, my glands, where I lived, society's expectations of women, supermodels, the fashion industry, the beauty industry, the patriarchy. Everyone at some point has been responsible for my inability to lose weight. But age 41, I had my Taylor Swift epiphany. It's me. Hi. I'm the problem. It's me. So the first step for me was really understanding what was I doing and what were the patterns of behavior that I was engaging in, that I was doing every day, that were keeping me in this place that I really didn't want to be in. What was I doing, which might have been obvious to someone watching, and to be honest, based on some of the commentary I've experienced over the years, it was obvious to the people watching, but what was I doing that was contributing to this Sort of weight gain and general discomfort that I couldn't see. Why was I oblivious to it, and what was I doing? I will never forget sitting next to my friend at Sunday lunch, and I had finished my food and I was so hungry. I can't remember what we'd done, but there there was a big group of us, and I'd finished my food. and He was sitting next to me, and he just looked at me and said, "You nearly had the pattern off that plate, there, Em's." And I was so embarrassed. Even thinking about that memory now makes me sort of flinch because. I had eaten in a way, maybe because I was so hungry or whatever, I had eaten in a way that had given me away, like the the facade had come down and I was really embarrassed and he had spotted it. And um, I don't know as if I've ever looked him in the eye since. But anyway, but in tandem with all of this was a very visceral feeling that I didn't want to go on a diet. Diets are great and diets do work. Now, I know that's contentious, but why don't we discuss that in the Facebook group? Because it's not really appropriate here, but I know that some people believe diets don't work. I fundamentally believe that they do, and I will happily explain that in the Facebook group. But I realized that for me, what dieting had done is it had taken away my agency. Diets had told me what to do and when to do it and how to do it. And I had done so many diets over the years, over three decades, that actually I had no idea how to live off one, not to be on a diet. Because, And also the other thing that was happening is that subconsciously I had uh, computed all of the different rules and regulations of these diets. And my normal was to live by the rules of a handful of diets, some of them conflicting. And that really wasn't helping at all because there was so much friction between me and any decision around eating That it just felt really difficult and actually it shouldn't be like that. So in 2019, I wanted to put an end to it once and for all and I went back to basics. And I guess those basics were very simple. Nothing was off the table. And by that I meant that, quite literally the dining table, by that I meant that there were no banned food groups, no banned macros. It wasn't that I couldn't have a treat in inverted commas like I could have anything that I wanted. But for me and what I had to be mindful of and sensible around was quantity because quantity was where I used to go wrong. Now, I know that that's a bit of an eye roll and a bit boring. Oh God, you ate less, you had smaller portions, whoop-dee-doo, that's not what it's about. But it kind of was for me that starting point because after years of believing there were good foods and bad foods, I needed to sort of redress that all of that because I didn't want to feel as though I had to restrict myself in any way and it might sound weird but this just felt like the only way for me to get my agency back over what and how I ate not by referencing a diet I had done or by checking in with an app but actually by checking in with me and that that's actually quite multi-layered it's not just about checking in with what you want it's also checking in with how you feel before after and and during your eating something but anyway The other significant thing for me was that I uh, took a look at the bigger picture when it came to how I ate and what I ate. And simply put, this meant really disconnecting from the immediate satisfaction and thinking about it in the context of the day, the week, the month. Now, I've said that there was an emotional element to the way that I ate. So that was about feeling something right then, right there. And I tried to zoom out. Think of those uh, scenes in a film where the corridor suddenly gets very, very long. It was almost like doing that around food. So rather than thinking about how is it going to make me feel now, I thought about it in the context of the day or the week or the month. And that started with very simple things like, for example, I've talked about this a lot, but my favorite pastry to have with a coffee is an apricot croissant. True story. When I was a kid, there used to be these adverts in the, um, in the UK. Called, uh, they were for cream cakes and it was naughty but nice. Does anyone else remember this? Anyway, they used to have these apricot croissants. And for years... Because I didn't, I never had one until I was probably an adult. I thought they were egg yolks. I thought the apricots were egg yolks. <laughs> I was like, that seems interesting. But never, never had one. I think probably didn't have one as a child because I assumed that they were, I didn't realize they weren't apricots and they weren't egg yolks and were actually apricots. And now they're one of the most delicious things. So um, I really love them. <laughs> and spoiler alert, I lost 30 pounds while still enjoying two every week with a coffee. But instead of getting to the line in the coffee shop, feeling tired, irritated, and like I needed a treat, that choice to have the apricot croissant that would impact the moment and give me a very short-lived high, if you like, I thought about it in the context of the day. So things like, will that support the workout I just did? Or actually, would a source of protein be a better choice? Or why don't I wait until Sunday when I'm seeing friends for a coffee to do that? Because I know that we're going to sit down, have a good old chin wag. It'd be nice to have something to eat while we do it the best way I can describe it is that my thought process around food and food choices became slower as opposed to this sort of like grab and eat sort of uh, way of eating. It was a hang on, and not a big thing, but just a, hmm, do I want that now? Yeah, I do. No, I don't. That kind of thing. And fundamentally, it was that shift that meant I was able to lose weight and keep it off. And I lost, as I said, 30 pounds. And by early 2020... I had maintained that weight within a four pound window for no by early 2022 I had maintained that weight and kept it within a four pound window for two years but I started September 2019 with making those changes and early 2020 was when i lost those I reached that 30 pound goal but never really had it as a goal it was just kind of I got there I was like oh this feels all right so let's just stay here And this is obviously giving a very superficial telling of how I overcame something resembling binge eating disorder, but that would be A, another episode entirely to really dig into it. B, we've covered it actually a decent amount on the show, albeit in parts, I admit. And C, because actually I get a lot of messages. This is still B, by the way, not C. I get a lot of messages from people saying, could you just do a specific episode? Because it's quite, and it is very hard to search on podcast platforms, but the my sort of weight loss journey, my binge eating disorder recovery, they it's it's across a lot of episodes and a lot of different conversations with different people or solo episodes. And a, a few people have said it would be much easier if you just put it all in one place, but it's very difficult to know how to do that. Now here's C. C, there might be something coming that tells you the whole story, but I can't say anything about that yet. So let's just put a pin in that. But it would also be wrong of me. You know, I said I had to take a run up. It would be really wrong of me not to acknowledge the other effort I was doing at this point, which was to exercise. So I used to hammer cardio. I used to feel wretched if I didn't get out and do a run in the morning. And there was a point where I was running 10Ks quite regularly. I even ran a half marathon. But when I decided to make the shift around food, I made a shift towards strength training. So instead of hammering the cardio, I decided to strength train. Now, mainly because I wanted to build muscle, which in itself makes the body far more efficient and is also great for women, particularly women of my age. I'm 45 now because we lose roughly 30 percent of our muscle mass as we enter menopause. And also because after I had breast production surgery, jumping up and down just felt really bizarre. I thought it would feel great. I thought, well, if I don't have these big Boobs, then uh jumping up and down and running will be better but I ran literally filmed myself running to send to my friend Nick who's also had a breast reduction and I was planning I was like sending this video filming this video going look at me look at me and I got to the end of it and went oh I don't like this and so that's why that's one of the other reasons why I switched to strength training not sure if I've told you that before but anyway and also for me it wasn't just about losing weight it was about feeling strong and feeling capable And it was about supporting and strengthening my body after years of what felt like really not taking care of it. So strength training three times a week, plus walking every day, even if that was just instead of getting the tube, all of that was key. So actually little shifts as opposed to big changes. But now let's fast forward to January 2022 when I signed up to the EC method because I had just assumed I had plateaued. So I decided to enlist the help of some trainers, both of whom you'll know from the show, Chloe Maidley and Emma Story Gordon, they've both been guests. And they run an eight-week program where you collect a ton of data, follow their advice, and then based on what the data is telling you, you can adjust it accordingly. And I found it really, really useful. And I'd done so much on my own. I'd lost those 30 pounds on my own by making those shifts, by making those changes. And it was really transformative. But working with Emma and Chloe and following that program and having the Facebook community embedded some really positive and helpful behaviors. And it really focuses your attention on the long game, which I've told you about. Zooming out is really important. It is a way of life. This is about doing something every day. It doesn't have to be perfect. It's not about perfectionism. It's about being consistent, and it is about—I'm going to say balance—but that's such an unhelpful word in many ways because what does that mean? But it is about finding the thing that for you feels as though you're—you're you're not walking. For me, anyway, you're not at either extreme. You're not restricting massively or or binging excessively. You're finding that space in between where you're where it's neutral. And it's also not a quick fix. It's not a short-term effort to achieve a result that'll just stay without any extra effort. It really does shift your perspective to doing something every day to keep you moving towards your goal. Even if you get down to a weight that you want or get up to a weight, depending on what your issues are, even if you find yourself at a weight that you want to maintain, it's still about finding those behaviors that you can do every single day to make sure that you stay where you want to stay. So when I signed up, I was delighted with the progress I'd already made. My clothes fit easily and I was able to be more experimental with what I wore because I was no longer camouflaging. I was stronger and fitter than I'd ever been before. And because I wasn't derailing the progress I wanted to make because of my behavior around food, I felt so empowered. I felt really, not just that I was getting physically stronger, but mentally and emotionally stronger as well. And I did two rounds of the EC method, January and February, so it's eight weeks. So those first two months and then March and April And I did lose a few pounds, but there wasn't really a huge shift in the way I was eating or the way I was exercising. To be honest, the biggest difference really for me was trying to get in over 10,000 steps a day and also the support from the community. But what it did do for me was it confirmed the efforts I'd already made and it reinforced the benefits of what I was doing and those behavior changes and the fact that there wasn't a huge shift in my weight, didn't really bother me. In fact, I went for a coffee and a walk with Emma Story Gordon last summer. And I was like, I'm not really that fast about losing the the last 10 pounds, if you like, because I kind of think that the effort I would need to put in would be a bit too much. And then maybe I wouldn't maintain it. And then maybe it would trigger some restrictive eating. And then it might derail the progress I've made in that area. So, you know, I'm happy where I am. But honestly, even as I said it, there was a part of me that thought, nonsense, you're just making excuses. But I didn't pay attention to that voice, even though I had heard it loud and clear. So there's sort of two things happening. I was very pleased with where I was, but I also wasn't going to take the excuse that I just kind of reached my set point or this was where I had plateaued because that's nonsense. There are always changes that you can make sensibly. So then fast forward to the end of 2022. So lots of progress made, the 30 pound weight loss has been maintained but I was becoming aware that some of my eating habits were occasionally regressing. So I would find myself hunting for treats in the kitchen after dinner where I used to feel satisfied after my meals or I'd find myself standing in front of the fridge with the door open having a lick of this or a taste of that and it wasn't a big deal and my weight wasn't changing But it was an indicator that my recovery, which is never linear, was having a bit of a backslide. Those behavior changes that I had made and had felt very strong with were just, they were just becoming a little bit unstuck. And then a few things happened at once. So at the end of 2022, I started filming the podcast. I did an experiment to see whether um, turning the podcast into audio and video would be helpful. Um... We're not doing video anymore, but there we go. <laughs> but seeing myself in 4K, I didn't love it. Actually really, really hated it. And I have worked in TV a few times during my career. And even though the camera isn't always flattering and there's that whole thing about, all oh, the camera is 10 pounds, it also sees what it sees. And what it shows you, honestly, isn't far from the truth. And uh, I just thought, oh, I, I'm not... I didn't come this far to only come this far. So I wanted to make some changes. And then shortly after I started interviewing on camera, I interviewed James Smith, the personal trainer and author. And on the show, I was mentioning that I'd lost weight. And when I mentioned having lost weight to him, I thought I saw a flash of surprise in his eyes. Now, obviously I could be being paranoid because of my own issues. I accept that. But at the time and in the moment, and this isn't blaming James for anything because this is all me and not him. But in that moment, I interpreted what I thought was a flash of surprise across his expression was him thinking, well, if you've lost weight, why not lose a bit more? He didn't say that. He never even implied it. But this is this was what I interpreted because I'm hypersensitive about this. And then after the event, after we uh, did the podcast together, I posted a picture of us on social media And even I could see that my thighs were bigger than his. And considering he's a six foot tall former rugby player, I didn't love how that looked. And then a lovely lady, let's call her Fran, sent me um, or posted something on Facebook, actually, underneath that picture saying that by the looks of it, I probably have lipoedema, which is, checks notes, an abnormal buildup of fat, usually on the legs or arms. And I got to tell you, that one really got to me. (laughs) Um it might be part and parcel of life on the internet and people do say some very clumsy things to to people online. Uh it happens a lot to my friends who have much much bigger followings than I do and I just kind of wince when I see them. Or they screen grab them to me and we laugh and say ignore her. But the point is is that it's part and parcel of being here. But because I was sensitive about my lower body anyway, that one kind of did piss me off, I have got to be honest. Um but it wasn't it wasn't something that made me then change anything. It was like obviously She's the problem in that situation. But um, I had already, having seen myself, decided that I wanted to make changes. And obviously I am being tough on myself here. But I suppose in releasing myself from goal weights, which is something that I'd always had with diets and whatnot, I hadn't actually thought about what it would feel like when the work I needed to do was complete and what it would feel like to be in maintenance. So I guess I didn't know whether I was there yet where I could just live this way and maintain. And I guess those sorts of things and sort of seeing that I I didn't look the way that I wanted to, I hadn't reached the place that I thought I had. I hadn't reached a place where I felt comfortable and confident enough. I still had these insecurities. And I felt physically and I suppose mentally and emotionally too that I was getting a little bit closer to my danger zone in that the poor habits were creeping back in, my weight was creeping back up and very slowly... It was all happening, but I wanted to pull it back and I wanted to make changes. And those, that sort of cluster of events, there are a few others as well, but those are the two ones, were a um, reason for me to think, actually, I need to regroup and have a look at this. And I will be very honest with you. I took a few run-ups at trying to lose a bit more weight before I found my stride with this. And look, let me tell you about those, but let me tell you about them after this quick break. lack of progress and I thought oh gosh okay well I the only way is up here I'm going to this is a full backslide and I'm going to end up where I started but I refused to let that happen um and the fact that I couldn't shift into the right gear to elicit the changes that I wanted to see and feel really confused me because I again I didn't come this far to come this far I've shown that I've got the grit I've shown that I've got the determination i have shown that I get all of the messaging consistency is key and yet there was this roadblock so why wasn't I able to make changes? And I realized, I guess, that there were two things at play here. One was that where I had relaxed, if you like, I had started to crave, um, I hate to say it, but just for for the purposes of this, bad food. And this is clearly a toxic throwback from years of dieting. But I would wake up in the morning and I was craving crunch and my brain was chanting carbs, carbs, carbs. The idea of like bread and anything that had that would just, my teeth were almost craving, just like let me crunch on something, let me bite into something. And look, I just want to be really clear about this. There is nothing wrong with carbs, but those cravings for me personally are a surefire sign that something is a bit amiss. Not only do you not get a lot of bang for your buck with simple carbs, but which is what I was craving, but in my case, if I do have some, I will want more and I will want more quite quickly. So I would eat them, but in relatively small portions. And then I would wonder why I was so hungry, dissatisfied and peckish. And it was that peckish feeling. And then I'd be fighting the urge to have more. So actually, I was saying I was backsliding. Actually, it was taking a lot more effort than before because I had got into this sort of cycle of really wanting to eat a lot again and wanting to eat all the time again. So there was a lot more mental real estate being taken up by thoughts of food And actually, I would say that towards the end of 2022, those thoughts hadn't been so um, all-encompassing. I'd kind of got to a place again where we got that balance, where I was sort of able to walk that middle road and things had gone off balance again. And what's really sinister about these thoughts is they don't just revolve around thinking about the food. They don't just say, hey, you're hungry. Why not have some crisps? They almost, they, in your mind's eye, they put the food in your mouth. You can feel the food in your mouth almost. Or if you have to go and cook something, your brain shows you what it's like to be at the cooker so that actually when you get up and walk to the cooker it's like you were already there but that sort of thing it's it's very sinister in that it feel, feels like you've already done it before you've done it so as much as I had made huge progress with my relationship with food the truth was that some of the work I'd done was beginning to unravel and dear listener I had a few instances where I did, I broke and I binged. And it was after one that I realised I had to go back to the beginning and remind myself of the work I had done, what I'd done to get here and what I needed to go back and re-equate myself with. And if anyone has watched the film with Edward Norton about the Hulk, then you may recognise a phrase I've borrowed. So for the Hulk, or Bruce Banner actually, it represents how long he goes without turning into the Hulk. For me, when I say without incident, I'm referring to how long I've gone without misusing food. And dear listeners, as I record this podcast, it has been five months without incident. And this is where volume eating has come in and has really helped. Now, finding content about volume eating online is pretty easy. There are so many people, especially on TikTok, doing their, this is the salad that will fill me up for lunchtime and it's packed with protein and there's barely any calories and you can eat as much of it as you like, blah, blah, blah. But... The reason it has clicked for me is because in order to recover, I had to acknowledge or in order to sort of move into this next phase of recovery, I had to acknowledge the thing about me that I have tried for so long to deny. And that is that I have this sort of switch, which is and it's an oversimplification. But let's say that I'm just fundamentally greedy. And of course, that is an oversimplification. But basically, I'm just not someone who's satisfied by small portions or snacking. I love a canapé (laughs) and I've said many times I could live on tiny food, but what I really mean is I could live on large quantities of tiny food. So if I'm acknowledging that I like to eat a lot of food, but I want to lose weight, then it seems I'm on a hiding to nothing, right? Well, no, volume eating focuses on loading your diet with things like fruits and vegetables and whole, whole grains. So it's low calorie foods that are packed with nutrients and fiber. So actually you're eating huge, huge portions and you're satisfied. And the key for me is that feeling of fullness. So, high calorie, low nutrient foods are the ones that tend to leave you feeling hungrier after you've had them. And they tend to be over quite quickly. And I have to be honest, if I do eat anything containing those sorts of carbohydrates or those sorts of high calorie, low nutrient foods, I am 100% peckish within the hour. Now, that's me personally. That's something I've observed by paying attention to what I eat, how I eat, and when I eat. But that does not mean I've demonized carbohydrates and I don't eat them. On the contrary actually, I've just got great information now because I know that if I have them, I'll crave more pretty soon after I eat them. So I know what to expect. I know what's coming. And I know that that need to eat that I'm being told by my brain isn't real. So I can dismiss it. I can just let it pass. And that's not to say that's easy. (laughs) It really isn't. But if I do have that, if I do eat in that way, I know. Do you know what Emma? You've probably got forty-eight to seventy-two hours where you're going to have to just kind of like hold tight and remember everything that you know, because for that period, your brain is going to be like pizza, pizza, pizza. Um, it's that's the really that's the really difficult thing, and it isn't easy. But when I think of when I think in that way, it's like oh, I'll just have another one, or I find my mind wandering to the next stodgy, high-inducing snack. And if I can just take a beat and leave it there without responding to it, it works for me. And the reason I know that it works is because if I eat a high protein meal like a prawn stir fry for example, I feel completely full afterwards. Working my way through cabbage, bean sprouts, shredded carrots, mushrooms, shredded other things, all sorts of basically just tons and tons of greenery and I like to shred my food if I put it in a stir fry. Then I can it can sometimes take me like a good 10 minutes to eat a stir fry. Whereas I can tell you now, listeners, I could put away a deep pan pizza in under three and a half minutes. I reckon I could probably beat 90 seconds, to be honest. But do you know what? It's that thing. It's that actually, your brain has time to register that you're eating. So actually, it's not it's not telling you to eat after you finish, because it's like, oh, we did that for a good 10 to 15 minutes there. I mean, still, for some people, that would be eating quite quickly. But a big old bowl of stir fry does me makes me feel very, very happy. Or it's summer now here, so I'm just eating so much so much salmon and prawns and salad and just filling my bowl with a huge amount of greens working my way through those i am genuinely like the last thing i want to do for a good few hours after that is eat eh because it's just time consuming and because i feel really full which is lovely and the reason i felt comfortable talking about volume eating is because it doesn't constitute diet advice or me telling you how you should live more what i've stumbled upon and have found helpful it doesn't feel like a diet, it's a lifestyle because there's no rule you don't have to sign up to anything to volume eat. You just kind of understand the principles, which is load up on low calorie, high density foods and protein, and keep the uh, keep the I'm getting it keep the high calorie, low density foods to a minimum. And actually this has shown up in some really interesting ways. I've said it's been five months without incident, but I like many women get to a certain point in my cycle where the idea of eating carbs with cheese is really tantalizing and sometimes I have previously given into it going well I know it's my hormones so I'll just give into it and now sometimes I'll walk to the shops and you know listeners if you've been here a while I'll sometimes walk to the shops knowing full well that what's about to happen is is not the best choice and uh I have gone in and thought, actually, I know that I want a stuffed crust pizza and there's nothing wrong with having it, but it's how it makes me feel afterwards. So I think actually, let's have a huge amount of protein or not a huge amount of protein, but a huge amount of greens and some protein stuff ourselves that way. If what my brain is telling me is to kind of get yourself stuffed with cheesy pizza and there's no hangover from it. There's no feeling afterwards of, oh, I feel rubbish or I feel really slow and sluggish or any of that kind of stuff. Or you feel that horrible feeling of having eaten food with lots of salt in. So that's that's now something I'm able to override and go, don't give in to that, do this, because not only will you feel good in the moment, but you will feel good tomorrow and the day after. And perhaps more importantly, it's a way of eating that also satisfies my psychology around food, because I was somebody who grew up wanting to be a member of the Clean Plate Club. And I thought that bigger portions were not any better, but they tasted more delicious. But the foods I craved, if consumed in large quantities at regular intervals, would inevitably lead to weight gain. And let's face it, that was what I did for 30 years. And for many of those years, I was overweight or obese. So I have the data, I have the evidence. So this is very much about lifestyle and behavior change, but there is a ton of research out there confirming that diets made up of these low energy dense foods can help with appetite and control and also be helpful if weight loss is a goal. And I always come back to uh, the conversation I had with Dr. Gabrielle Lyon on this podcast, and she talked at length about the benefits of protein um, for muscular health. Her words, muscle is the organ of longevity, is something I think about often, probably every single day. And at the time I estimated that I was probably consuming around 30 to 45 grams of protein a day, and that's less than half the optimal amount for someone my, my weight and age. Um, really, I think, what what is it, two grams per kilo of protein. So take your kilogram weight, times it by two, and that's how many grams you should be having of protein a day, if you are wanting to eat in this way. Trust me. To begin with, shifting to get more protein in my diet was something I really, really struggled with. And I think after I spoke to Gabrielle, I went to the supermarket and I was like, what's going to have a lot of protein in it? I know, chicken thighs. And I just bought a a packet of chicken thighs and I ate the lot and I made myself quite ill. I also consumed way more fat for one day than was ideal. Um, And that's a really good reminder of why it's a good idea to take a step back before you embark on anything. And that includes seeking medical advice if you are going to make any significant changes to your diet. So the other thing I wanted to say about this is that I've noticed from changing to this way of eating to volume eating, and it does not it's not just stir fries, it's big salads. And naturally, if you go online and you look at volume eating, a lot of people break it down and just think, just think big salad. Just think loads and loads of greens with some protein. And it might sound boring. It really isn't. Depends what you do to it, obviously. And there's also a tonne I put one on Instagram the other day, but there's so many really good recipes that are all high protein. So things like cookie dough recipes, if you want a sweet treat that um, that's made with cottage cheese, so packed with protein, or uh, protein ice cream, which I've been making, which is just whiz up a load of ice, put some protein powder in there, a little bit of milk, and you just get protein ice cream. And it's delicious, and it's packed full of ice cream and no sugar, which is just divine. So there's so much that you can find online. And again, it feels like you're eating a lot. So you feel satisfied, all of those things. But another benefit I've noticed from changing to this way of eating is I don't get nearly the kind of IBS symptoms as I used to. And actually, I did notice this when I started intermittent fasting a few years ago. My digestive system went from unpredictable to predictable within days. And I would say that volume eating really supports this too. But that's because part of me wants to graze all day. And when I did, I would have terrible IBS symptoms, bloating, all the rest of it, you can imagine. But my body seems to function best. So my brain's telling me to graze, but my body functions best when I have a decent amount of time between my meals, when I allow my body to actually digest the food that I've eaten. And if I eat too, too close together, I can feel it very, very quickly that it's just kind of like it's overloaded the system. It's like my broadband goes down or there's a power surge. It just doesn't really work for me. So that's why it's so important that when I do eat my meals, I do feel satisfied. And then I'm not tempted to eat in between because actually feeling satisfied, then being able to put a good few hours between each meal makes such a difference to like, I'm sure mental function, but just how fit and healthy I feel, how tired I feel or how alert I feel, all of those things. But why has this led to weight loss in my case? Well, quite simply, and this is the whole coming right back to the beginning because people were noticing on social media that I had lost a bit more weight and I wasn't talking about it, but a few people said, what are you doing? What's happened? A lovely lady told me that I could I looked better with a bit more weight on me. Again, I've already said it. It's part of the it's part of being online, part of living your life online or working online, if you like. But there we go. But enough people asked me to want to reference it. I had wanted to make that change. I'd wanted to do it in the way that I'd done it before, which is not by making doing anything drastic. Oh, and also because people had asked me if I'd started taking a Zen pick, I thought, well, I've got to address this because actually volume eating is free. Volume eating is pretty simple. You only have to read a couple of articles online, watch a couple of people make recipes to kind of get the gist. And you can be on your way if that's indeed what you want to do and if it's appropriate for your particular aims and goals when it comes to many things, but p- particularly here. But why has it wed- led to weight loss in my case? And it's simply because because I'm eating high protein with a ton of vegetables even though I'm eating a pile of food, genuinely at each sitting, it's the calorie value of all of those meals I'm eating throughout the day is less than I was eating before. So I haven't changed the way that I've worked out. I haven't increased my activity level at all. If anything, I've actually been working out a little bit less just because of my schedule recently. But uh, the overall calorie value of what I'm eating means that I'm eating less and there has been an energy deficit, there's been been a calorie deficit. And so I have lost those extra 10 pounds and that feels really good. And now I am just employing everything to maintain. And volume eating has been the way and I'd never really thought of it as volume eating before. When I did the first 30 pounds of weight loss, if you like, I, as I said, I didn't want things to be off the table. I didn't want to not have apricot croissants, but with the volume eating, what I've really observed is how I feel when I'm eating high protein food with lots of greens versus how I feel if I do eat the apricot croissant. And it's not that I won't eat it, but I also know that sometimes, a lot of the time, it's not worth how I feel for the 24 hours afterwards. So I sort of save it up a bit more. And I will have it, but this is all about everything that I've talked about on the podcast, whether it's physical or mental or emotional, it's all about feeling better. It's all about feeling good in yourself and not feeling as though you're fighting against something, whatever that might be. And understanding the component parts of my diet and realizing that actually there are certain foods, that, as, although I find them delicious, they aren't worth it sometimes which is which is the thought process I never had around food like is this really worth it not just now but tomorrow and not because of what it makes me look like or or any of the sort of superficial stuff that, that is so often attributed to dieting but how will it make me feel do I want to wake up tomorrow and feel sluggish no if I eat that is that possible yes well then let's make a different decision because I want to wake up feeling good tomorrow. You know, I do the strength training. I've talked about why many times, but it's especially the the muscle piece of the puzzle is so, so important. And I will now, even if I've got to the end of a long day and I'm thinking, I just want to put away something fatty, cheesy, bready, all of that kind of stuff. The kind of stuff that we self-medicate with at the end of a really busy day. If I know, particularly if it's glutes, freaking hate working out my glutes honestly quads love shoulders adore arms amazing back yes abs and glutes workouts god damn they really get my go i really i do them but i am angry before i'm angry during and i'm relieved afterwards but if i know i've got a big workout the next morning even if the day that i've had is saying hey go on have a glass of red and a big creamy pasta I think well yes or why don't I feed myself for tomorrow's workout so I have a great workout and then that will change the decision because again it's that zooming out that I was trying to explain and as I say all of this I am aware that to people who have had a restrictive eating issue in the past they might see this as a whole host of red flags but for somebody who's had an excessive eating issue, these are all really helpful behaviors. They would, so Everything that someone says on the internet will be unhelpful to somebody and everything that someone says on the internet will be helpful to somebody. So I am very aware that it's extremely difficult to talk about this without having to caveat that obviously if you have issues with restrictive eating, this might not be the content for you. But if you have issues with excessive eating, with binge eating, this might be the kind of information that can help you work with that and that is somebody who has recovered or is in recovery from binge eating disorder volume eating has been so so helpful and i am really delighted not just with um the results because obviously there was an intention to lose weight but now that i'm at this place where i'm where i want to be I am delighted with how this lifestyle, because it does feel like a lifestyle, makes me feel every day and how I almost feel like I've got this information of do I want that? Don't I want that? Nothing's off the table, but it's a way of eating that's allowed me to put how I feel first and that feels really empowering. So that is the story of volume eating. And just to say, if you are tempted to make any tweets to your diet, particularly if they're significant, if it's going to be a big change, don't do them overnight. And please seek advice uh, from a medical professional. If you want to be on the safe side, that's always a good plan. I had the EC method as a group who really, uh, who, who advocate for the high protein element of the diet. They don't call it volume eating, but I would imagine that a lot of people who are on the EC method are volume eating just because they're prioritizing the protein in their diet. So if you want a little bit of hand holding or you want some support then I will put the link to the EC method in the show notes and you can maybe sign up to them because they if you have any questions about it as you start it, you will begin to you you will be able to ask the group and they will tell you things like how you volume eat on the go or what are some hacks if you can't if you don't like certain foods anything there's a if you're gluten free if you're dairy intolerant all of those things there'll be people in that group who'll be able to help you if it is something that you would like to embark on don't do what I did don't go and buy a a thing of chicken thighs and then eat the lot because that isn't volume eating that's just daft and I will make the mistake so that you don't have to so if you can find support if you can speak to uh, your doctor, if you want to make some changes and ask if it might be right for you, especially if you have any underlying health conditions, that would be a really good thing to do because I'm not a doctor, I'm not a dietitian, I'm not a nutritionist, I have no training in this area, so it would be very irresponsible irresponsible for me to say, do this, I am simply telling you what I have done, and if that's then something that you would like to move forward with, then it would be really sensible, and I know that you, my most excellent listeners are sensible people, it would be sensible for you to Check in with someone who has a bit more authority than I do before you make any drastic changes to the way that you're living. Because I want you to be well. I want you to be healthy. and I want you to feel really amazing. And I hope that this has helped you understand why I made the changes that I wanted to make, how I've made the changes, and also the benefits that I'm feeling. I do genuinely feel as though this is a very uh, accessible and achievable way to live in the long term, it is not a diet. And my goodness, that's why I flipping love it. And it only requires you to know a few things. What what foods are high in protein that I find delicious and what greens, vegetables, etc. do I absolutely love? Boom. So I hope that that has been helpful. If you have any questions about that, I'll obviously put the link to this in the show, in the, not in the show notes, in the Facebook group. So maybe we can discuss this a little bit more because I know that people were asking about it. But let me know, also let me know if you like these solar episodes. You've been asking me a lot of questions uh, recently uh, on DM and on email. So I thought, well, I might do one episode a month where I do a deep dive like this one. So if that's something that you'd like, let me know. Email is thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. The Facebook group is available to join via the link in the show notes. You do have to answer some questions. join but please do or you can dm me on instagram and twitter where i'm at emma guns and all i ask is that you don't say hey i think you have an abnormal build up of fat in your lower body because that one hurt (laughs) thank you so much for listening i will see you on the next one